everyone, and welcome to MLS Assist, a podcast created to give insight into Major League Soccer's on-field action. I'm your host, Joe Lowry, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jordan Angeli. Jordan, do you think we got enough goals tonight? Oh my gosh. That was an exciting last game. I mean, both of the games, we got a lot of goals. Two to one is still a significant amount of goals. And then this last one, gosh, (laughs) I had written down our LA Galaxy, a bad team, because you asked me that the last time and then this happened and I'm like, oh, gosh. Jordan, let's start with the first game before we get to El Trafico. What did you see from Portland as the winners of this game with two goals, one from Jeremy Abobasi and one from Diego Valeri? What did you see from them in this match? I really liked how Portland's front four operated. And so you had mentioned, I can't remember what podcast we were talking about this, but you were talking about Abobasi and how he's this player that can play in between the lines. He's not a traditional number nine, but he can hold up the play. And I think that really came to light today. And not only that, but it allowed fluidity between Blanco, Valeri, and Jimmy Chara to just be wherever they felt like they needed to be. And I think that when you're talking about, especially Diego Valeri, right? He is a player that operates off of, he, he's intelligent, but he also feels the game really well. And that's part of his intelligence. And I think that fluidity between those front four really allowed for that. Um, I, I had a play in general, a Bobasi. I felt like, he did a good job of just coming slightly off the back line and playing like a little bump pass, like a little set pass to whichever player was scooping underneath him and sweeping underneath him, whether it was Valeri or it was Blanco who had come inside. And then they were able to distribute from there. I really liked the way that those four were playing. And it was different than what we saw the first two games for this Portland squad of season back in March. I don't know if anybody remembers that, but <laughs> I just think Abobasi was the right call. And I think that Giovanni Savarese will be really excited about what that looked like tonight. I want to stick with Abobasi here for a minute. Okay. So he scores that goal for the Timbers in the 35th minute. That puts them up 1-0 in this game against Houston. But he scores that goal, and that's not just like, I scored a goal. Like, how did he score that from that angle? The finish is great. Low and hard with his left foot across yeah. the, across his body before we get to that finish on this yes. play. I want to talk about yes. Abobasi's positioning before he receives the okay. ball and as he receives the ball. The Timbers collect the ball in midfield and Valeri immediately enters that playmaker role and finds Abobasi making a run outside to the left side of both of the Dynamo's right-sided defenders. The right back for the Dynamo's inside a little bit and the right center back is also inside. Abobasi sees that and his positioning is so perfect on the left side of that defensive duo for the Dynamo. He's in that pocket of space. If he's inside, he's marked. Mm -hmm. If he's wider even than he is, then he's a little bit too far from goal. But he's in the perfect spot to receive the ball with time, take a touch, finish across his body with his left foot. Great positioning. And just to add another little wrinkle to that, if he's even any wider, not only is he take himself out, but there's nobody that's close to him to be able to cross the ball to. Hmm. Just everything about his positioning on that play, and that takes away the Valeri pass and the Timbers winning the ball in the first place. But that positioning of where Abobasi was standing and making his run outside those two Dynamo defenders Mm -hmm. was something that I noticed from from him in this game. And it's something that he's historically very good at in possession. Yeah, no, I would agree. And and it speaks to this point of I think those those four really feel the game well and they they feel where the spaces are going to open up, um, especially against this Houston squad, who to me have 
even though they gave up two goals and they didn't win, I feel, and they didn't win the, the night before or whenever night that was <laughs> <laughs> their first game, they didn't win. But I do feel like there is a better intensity and a better understanding of what they want to do defensively. Before we get to Houston, because I want to okay. talk about that, I have one okay. question to ask you about Portland. And right. it's about that front four for the Timbers. I'm torn, Jordan. I'm torn with this Timbers attacking setup that essentially I would describe as just Gio Savarese letting the front four do things with an occasional help from Chara or from Williamson in midfield. Yeah. And I, I, I don't think it's structured enough to allow for sustained success. What do you think? Is that front four enough for the Timbers to consistently create chances and score chances? They've done it in this tournament so far against the Galaxy and against the Dynamo. Do you think they can keep riding that consistently? Well, I think the... The Timbers do a few things that can help them be consistent in the things that they want to be good at. So one of those is counterattacks, right? And they typically leave the opposite side winger a little bit higher to try to spring a counterattack and go with some of their pace and precision in dribbling and passing to get out of team. So that's not going to change no matter how much structure they implement with those front four. But I do think there was structure within it. And you see that with Abobasi's, uh movement. Sometimes he's pushing the back line, which allows a midfielder to come into that red zone in between the like two holding midfielders or right beyond the two holding midfielders in front of the back line and play make there. Or he checks in. And when he checks in to get the ball, I noticed it more with uh, Jimmy Chara is... He, Abobasi would check in and Chara would break the back line. Hmm. So I think there is a little bit more structure, even though it does feel fluid. And um, it, I think they read off of each other's movements well, which is something that we see from another team that we saw tonight, I think, which is LAFC. So I'm not saying these two are the same team, but I would say that they understand the concept of moving players and manipulating numbers to drag defenders out of a space that they then want to go and occupy, right? Occupy. They want to move those yeah. players into those open spaces. Thanks for helping me with that. the word. <laughs> You're welcome. I love that crossover because that is something that the front four does for Portland very well. And that is what ultimately allows them to be very successful a lot of the time. Yeah. Okay, on to the Houston Dynamo. They did not win this game. Their lone goal was an Albert Elise penalty kick in the second half. My one big takeaway for the Dynamo in this game, I don't think they, they defended quite as well as they did against LAFC, even though they gave up one fewer goal. So my takeaway is offensive here. Okay. And it's that the Dynamo can be really good with quick attacking movements. A yeah. switch out to Albert Elise that gets him 1v1 with a defender, or a vertical combination play with Memo Rodriguez setting up one of their other attackers. The Dynamo aren't scary with the ball yet under Tabramos. I think he wants to get there. Mm -hmm. They're not there right now. They're better with those quick combination moments and, and vertical transition moments and things like that. That can allow their attackers to get in space and make something happen fast. Yeah, that's a good point. I think when we looked at this matchup on paper, it's both teams like to play counterattack style, right? And they actually are probably best when they are doing that. And I... I think that's true. What you just said is true. And I'm going to go back to, I don't know when I said this, but I've always, not that I have a beef with Albert Elise. He is such a good player, but I think the reason that he doesn't, he hasn't made the next step in his career is because he can't be consistent finishing the ball. He gets opportunities and he puts himself in a really good space, but that final piece of the puzzle is just not always there. And if it were, this would be a different scoreline. 
the Dynamo did have chances. I mean, I remember Albert Luis 1v1s or him cutting into the box off the ball and getting a, a through ball in from Manotas or, or from Quintero or from someone in the midfield. Those moments are quality opportunities for the Houston Dynamo. They didn't quite fall in this game, but I still do think this team has a lot of upside under Tab Ramos going forward. Yeah. Before we move on, can I just say one thing? Because we mentioned this yesterday, and I think talking about the last Portland goal, it goes back to this idea of like, what are holding mids in a 4-2-3-1 system, Mm, right? So I want to talk about this because the the goal for Portland comes off of a long from uh, kind of a longer ball from I think it was Mabiala, right? Correct. And the reason that the run from Williamson was open is because Abobasi and Chara are occupying defenders running forward at, at maybe not like high pace, but they're, they're advancing up the field. And so because they're occupying defenders and you got to remember Abobasi is on a goal. Chara has been super active and finding a lot of gaps and creating for Portland that they have to respect those two runs. So it's Williamson who comes when Mabiala is moving up the field with the ball. Williamson comes out of midfield and breaks the back line through this almost channel in that half space on the right side. It allows him to get into the attacking third get a place where he can cross the ball back. And it ends up being a goal there for Portland. But this is my thing is this is what a holding mid is in a 4-2-3-1. It can be anything from a playmaker on the end line to a ball winner in the defensive third. And I think that this position is one of the most complicated and it just has so many different uh, facets about it that it's super interesting to me. And it was good timing because we talked about that yesterday. It's as if we knew it was coming, but we very much did not, nor <laughs> nor could we ever think to predict anything in this MLS's back tournament because we had eight goals in this El Trafico. El Trafico Ooh. continues to be weird and crazy. I mean, there were players missing. No Vela, no Chicharito, multiple penalties in this game as well. I mean, this game was bonkers. Mm-hmm. It was really wild. Would you want to start? Who do you want to talk about first? Let's start with the Galaxy first, if okay. you don't mind. So LAFC okay. took this game by a lot of goals. So let's let's start with the Galaxy. I want to give them a little bit of credit. Jordan. Yes, I, I agree. thought in the first half, they looked more dangerous with the ball than maybe we've ever seen them look dangerous with the ball under Guillermo Barceloto. Okay, I also felt like when they crossed the ball... There was purpose. They, whoa, right? They listened there to was you, Jordan. Texture, there was texture on the ball. And for me, if you don't have... If you don't play Araujo in that winger space, like that midfield space, he he was winning head balls in the box. And nobody was really challenging the head balls in the box until this kid comes in. And so I think you have to play him. What you said when we talked about the Galaxy the last time in their loss to the Portland Timbers about treating crosses like a pass yeah. is one of the... the- smartest and most succinct (laughs) soccer things that I've heard before, and it stuck with me. And so I was watching for it in this game. No, the crosses weren't perfect. Right. But the attacking moments were better. The intensity was better. The decision-making was a little bit better. I mean, they get that early goal in this match off of a little bit of counter-pressure high up the field. Sebastian Lejet tries to cut it back, and Latif Blessing ends up scoring an own goal in that moment. But it's it's better from the Galaxy, and it falls apart, yes, as the game gets open in the second half. But Mm -hmm. that is a positive sign attacking-wise. Yeah, I I wrote those same two. First cross from Legette, way better than anything we've seen. Second cross, also better. A runner in the box, only one runner in the box with the texture on it was a lot, um, 
it's just easier to hit a ball that's bending back towards you and, and head it, head it back on frame. So, um, I had that same thing, but what really stuck out to me from, uh, LA Galaxy is they switched it up and they played more in a, I don't know, what do you, what would you call it? Four, four, two, but it was really like a four, four, one, one. Yes, correct. That's what I saw. Okay. And I liked the way that they were not only attacking in this 4-4-1-1, but defending as well. Because for a while to me, and I don't know if you noticed this, but it looked like Legit was almost man-marking Atuesta or mm-hmm. responsible to deny Atuesta the ball. So it's not like he was man-marking him, chasing him around the field, but he was always like, where's the passing lane to Atuesta? Where's the passing lane to Atuesta? I got to block it off. And so I, that was one of the big things I noticed about defensively what Legit was doing. Looking at LAFC for a moment here, they've struggled defensively early on in these matches in both both games so far in this tournament. They've they let in an early goal against the Houston Dynamo. The same thing happens here. Jordan, do you have any thoughts or, or reasoning behind why LAFC seems to struggle to defend, especially in the early points of games? I don't. Not off the top of my head. Do you feel like it's internal versus external motivation here? Because think about it. LAFC thrives off of who? The, Carlos Vela. Well, yeah, and just the atmosphere. If, oh, if yeah. you have been to their stadium, I mean, it's easy to start off on fire when you have that many people standing and cheering and jumping and doing all that, right? That energizes you in a different way. Or even when they're on the road, like, there's still an atmosphere that maybe is against them. So I, I'm not saying this is the the reason that they don't start off well, but until they get scored on or they get outplayed a little then they come back and say oh we can we can do it but that's not like an internal motivation right that's like something externally happened to me and we have to change it yeah i've never thought about that before i hadn't thought about this different environment maybe lending itself a little bit less so to lafc's energy and their style of play yeah i don't know i just thought of that i'm not saying that's the the right answer but and, and just- i don't Maybe curious. I don't think we know. The, I don't think we've solved LAFC's defensive struggles here. I need to go back and look at more footage from them from these games to try to figure yeah. out what specific breakdowns are happening. I mean, in the first game against Houston, it was a missed clearance. And in this game, it was a, an own goal. Just more details and trying to figure out what is going on. But that's that's analysis for another time. Yeah. Jordan, I want to talk about LAFC's in the second half, especially in this game. Okay. The Let's way the game opened up. And, and when games do open up, there is no team in Major League Soccer better suited to rip a game open in those moments than LAFC. <laughs> You're right. I mean, I, I don't know what to do but laugh because that's a great description. They ripped they ripped the game open. In that second half, it's Bradley Wright Phillips scoring to put LAFC up 3-2 to two after, you know, they had scored two goals earlier in the game. BWP dances on, on Gonzalez in the box and finishes with his right foot to the far post. Then it's a transition goal. In the 76th minute, Sifuentes plays a lovely ball behind in, and in between two Galaxy defenders to play Brian Rodriguez in on goal, who scores it. Munir gets one just because why not later in the game, and Rossi gets another one because, again, why not? It's LAFC with their direct attacking transitions that I think might actually be the best part about this team. I had written that you can't go because of what you just said, right? They're high-energy not only off the ball, but what they do on the ball and the pace at which they they move it, it's hard to match that uh, for 90 minutes. And the goal from Bradley Wright Phillips came in the 56th minute, and you could start to see that things weren't 
going to go in the direction for LA Galaxy. And then at 71, in my notes, I wrote, if LA Galaxy don't make a change, it's going to get ugly. And that's that's what happened. It's just like they sense blood and they're like, all right, let's go. And the way that Bob Bradley uses his subs, a huge contrast to Barcelona mm-hmm. in this match. He, Bob Bradley brings in guys gets fresh legs, changes the midfield, and and puts bodies in there. Later in the game, changes the front line as well. Galaxy much more hesitant to make subs. You could see that game stretch in the second half, maybe starting even as early as the 55th or the 60th minute. At that point, yeah, it's it's done. LAFC are too good to stop. They're, They're even more dangerous with the ball in open space than the Red Bulls, or maybe right on par with what we saw with Atlanta United under Tata Martino. They're so good. That that goal by Muhammad El Munir... I don't think it like the ball didn't even rotate one time. He hit it so clean. I do want to talk about LAFC's their goal in the first half, their second goal in the first half, because it was a really good buildup. And it started to give you like a hint at everything that this LAFC team can be. And it starts in their defensive half and it starts with a one, two between um, guess who I want to talk about. (laughs) Tristan Blackman. Blackman yeah, and Atuesta. Yeah. Uh, they won two in the defensive third. So, uh, Blackman to Atuesta, back to Blackman. And then Blackman, n- no, nobody steps to him and he just keeps dribbling, 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 dribbling. And there's three players in front of him who are pushing the back line. Uh, it's Bradley Wright Phillips and Rossi. And then in between, because those, those players are pushing the back line, it allows Mark Anthony K to drift in between the defensive line and the midfield line for LA Galaxy. Now, he's in a spot that is a really good spot, but it's a hard ball to get in there. And Blackman just bends the ball around a slow pressing defender. I don't even know who it is off the top of my head. Maybe Kitchen, a, a slow pressing defender. And it just opens everything up. If you don't put pressure on this LAFC team when they're starting to build up and get a rhythm, they're going to punish you because then they're in a spot where that in- intricate passing it is in their favor and they score uh, just a really brilliant goal. LAFC made mistakes in this game. Yeah. But they're still nearly impossible to stop with the ball. Yeah. Even if it takes them a few minutes to get in this game, they can beat you in transition. They can beat you in possession with clever combination play. And one touch passing like we saw from Mark Anthony K here. They're just ridiculous. Really, really yeah. hard to stop, even when they're not firing on all cylinders. Yeah. It it made me think of in the sixtieth minute, did you hear Bob Bradley say, Come on, guys, we can find passes. <laughs> <laughs> I think Bob Bradley chants that in his sleep, actually. <laughs> yeah. Well they could. They found a lot of a lot of passes in that game. Jordan, we've gone through the Portland Timbers' 2-1 win over the Houston Dynamo and LAFC's 6-2 win over the Los Angeles Galaxy. Tomorrow, we're coming back with more. We'll be back, and hopefully we have as many goals. I don't know. (laughs) I'm not sure I can take this many on on (laughs) back-to-back nights. Jordan, thanks for chatting with me. Listeners, thank you for listening.